0: Thank you very much, Ashley, for leading us in that wonderful song. That is one of my favorite songs. I remember when the group first released that song. It's one of those songs that just kind of resonates in my soul. All right, if you're here this morning and you're going to Treehouse, all right, I see them flagging me at the back. Uh, So that is my cue, my reminder. If you're going to Treehouse this morning, please head out. Please head out that direction. If you would do that for me, I would really appreciate it. All right. you have everybody, Miss Sarah? All right. She has disappeared. So I'm assuming that is a good sign that she has them all. I got the thumbs up. And so, but it is good to see all of you here. But that's just a wonderful, wonderful song. And, you know, as I get older and older and I walk more with Jesus Christ daily. I'm just so grateful for his love, his grace, and his mercy in my life. I realize how much I stand in need of that in my life. When she was singing that song, I was reminded of John, the third chapter in the 16th verse, that verse that many of us have, re- have memorized from the time we were small children. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm reminded of the words of Chuck Swindoll when he said, if you ever question how much God loves you, if you ever wonder, just look at the cross. There's no greater picture of love than the cross of Jesus Christ. When you look at the cross, it screams, God loves you you I could tell you right now I have one son and you are foolish to think that I would ever give up my son for any of you I love you but I would never sacrifice my son for any of you and don't you look at me like you would do that either <laughs> but that's what God did for us his one and only son on our behalf That's a powerful, powerful word about how much God truly loves us. So I don't want you to leave here this morning questioning the love of God. God is a loving God, and because God loves you more than anything else, he desires for you to have a personal relationship with him. And the great news is this, he's done everything that is necessary for you to have that relationship with him. The only way, the only thing you have to do is be willing to come to him on his terms. In his terms is this, I provided my son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice at the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin. If you're willing to turn away from a life of sin and turn to Jesus Christ in repentant faith, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the truth of God's word. And that is a gift that God offers every single person today if we're only willing to receive the gift that he desires for us to have. And the only thing that is necessary is a faith response. We don't have to be religious. We don't have to clean up our life and come to Jesus. If we'll come to Jesus, Jesus will clean our life up. Because all we have to do is respond to him in faith, trusting him as our Lord and Savior. Oh, my prayer is today, if you have never made that decision in your life, Please, please, please don't let today be the day that you don't choose to uh, trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible is so very clear. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. The Bible says life is like a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. This is your opportunity. And God is speaking to you, and He wants you to know that he's loves, He loves you, and He has provided everything that is necessary for you to have a relationship with Him. All right. First John, the fifth chapter. First John the fifth chapter. First John the fifth chapter. If you find your place in your Bible there, this morning we are going to start a new series. It is a series that I am entitling "The Birthmarks." of a christian the birthmarks of a christian if you're taking notes this morning you'll want to write that down if you don't have your bible please open your device i don't know how that works but just find your device and get there to that Particular passage of Scripture, and in a moment we're going to be reading in this particular text. But as you're turning your Bibles there, so let me share with you a little bit about this particular series that I'm going to be preaching over the next five Sundays. I'll tell you that some of my motives for preaching this series is kind of selfish. For years now, I've wanted to preach a series on the birthmarks of Christianity. I wanted to preach this all the way back when I was at First Baptist Church, Buna, and that's now going on about nine or 10 years ago that I was there, and for one reason or another, God just never gave me the opportunity to preach this series. So as I was thinking about the coming months, this summer, what it was that God would have me to preach, he began to lay this series on my heart, and I think it's a series that is so very important for us for several reasons, and I believe it is at this time that God has led me to preach this series of sermons. The first reason is this. I believe each and every Sunday that we gather here in this place, there are people in our midst who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm convinced of that. I don't know but I know this, God knows them because God looks on the heart of man and when God looks at the heart of man, he knows those who have genuinely trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and those who have not. But my desire as a pastor and as a preacher and teacher of God's word is that everyone would have the opportunity to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want them to have an opportunity to experience that which I've experienced in my life in knowing Christ as my Lord and Savior. It gives me such a great hope for the future, and I hope you can say that as well in your life today. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my prayer would be through this series of sermons that you would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is my desire. Another reason I choose to preach this series of sermons is this. I realize there are people in God's church that don't have the assurance of their salvation. And more than anything else, as a pastor, I want you to have a rock-solid faith. I don't want you to live your entire life not knowing for certain whether or not when you die, you will spend an eternity with our Heavenly Father. I want you to know in your heart. I want you to have the confidence, the conviction in your heart and in your soul that Jesus Christ lives in me. He is the hope of glory. He's the hope of glory. And so I want you to have that rock-solid faith. Number three is, I also want each one of us to know why it is we believe what we believe. But not just to say we know what we believe, but be able to substantiate what we believe from the Word of God. I think that is so key in the world in which we live in today. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and he said there in the fourth chapter, he encouraged, he challenged them not to be led astray by every wind of false doctrine that comes along, not to be tossed here and there. Have you ever found yourself out on the lake or in the Gulf of Mexico where a storm came up and you were tossed here and there? Do you remember the sense of fear and doubt you had in your life? Do you remember that? I've been in in a situation like that on more than one occasion. Many of you know that I served in the military, I served in the Marine Corps, and for six months I was on a Westpac. We got caught in the China Sea in the middle of a typhoon. And I remember, y'all are going to think that the pastor's not being truthful with you this morning. We literally had to strap ourselves in our bunks in order to keep from falling out. It was hard to believe. And you know what's worse of all that? I felt like Jonah. I wasn't swallowed by a big fish, but I felt like I was going to be swallowed by a big typhoon. And I really, you know, right then and there, I said, okay, Lord, whatever. Well, you know, you here. You can have me do whatever. Just spit me out on dry land, please. That's where I want to be at. And after that day, I knew the Lord did not call me to be in the Marine Corps for eternity. I just knew it. It was time to leave. And, and I did, I got out. But if you've ever been in the midst of a situation like that, you know the sense of fear about the what? how is it going to turn out, what is going to happen in the future, what will happen. So I want you to know why you believe what you believe, but I want you to be able to substantiate it from Scripture. Now, I know this is not a real popular word in the world in which we live in today. We don't like that word, doctrine. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says doctrine is important for our lives. And we need to be biblically sound in what we believe. We need to know the truth of God's Word. And we need to be able to share with the world why we believe what we believe, and we need to be able to point them to God's Word. You know, one of the things I appreciate about Reverend Billy Graham's ministry is if you've ever watched him in the middle of an interview and people were asking him questions about faith and religion and Jesus Christ, Billy Graham always made this statement. And then he would always say, Now, Billy Graham doesn't say, the Bible says. We need to point people to the Word of God. Now, listen to me. Now, I don't want to offend anybody this morning, so just hang in there. Or just hang on. Listen to the whole statement. Your opinion and my opinion really don't matter. Only opinion that matters is God's opinion about things and what He says in His Word. And so we need to know why we believe what we believe. We need to have a rock-solid faith. We need to be rooted and grounded so we are not led astray. So I want us to begin to look at this series of sermons on the birthmarks of a Christian. Did you know that over 80% of babies who are born, all of them are born, 80% of babies have a birthmark when they are born? Did you know that? It's true. I looked it up online this week. And you know when you find something on the Internet, it has to be the truth. Over 80% have birthmarks. You know, when our second child, Zoe, was born, she had a birthmark. And it was a birthmark that was right between her front eyes. Now, I've learned a little something since that. It was called an angel's kiss. Have you ever heard of that? It's a type of birthmark. Now, the unique thing was... It wasn't real dark. You could kind of see it, but man, when she threw a fit, that thing glowed. It glowed like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer's nose. I'm telling you. It stood out. Now, I don't want y'all to think, well, he just, man, he's just all over his children. I asked my daughter if I could share that with y'all first. I don't use illustrations about my family until I have asked first, and she gave me permission. She didn't know everything I was going to say, but she knew that I was going to share with y'all about her birthmark. The unique thing is now it's faded. You almost can't see it. And the good news is a lot of the fits have faded as well. She doesn't; She's not near as prone to those as she used to be. But in a spiritual sense, this is what I want you to hear me say. In a spiritual sense, every believer bears birthmarks of being genuinely saved. That is the reality of God's Word. And if a person really wants to know if they are in the faith, if they've trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the only thing they need to do is look at the birthmarks and lay their life against the birthmarks and see if there's evidence of genuinely knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I will tell you this every single person who is a follower of Jesus Christ will bear these birthmarks in their life. There's no other way to say it. It's the truth. It's the reality of God's Word. They will be present. Now, sometimes they are diminished because of sin in our life and because we're out of fellowship with the Lord, but I want you to know something. They are present in our lives. So this morning I want to preach a sermon that I have entitled A No-So Salvation. A No-So Salvation. I told my family this week I was going to preach that sermon and I gave them the title of it and they were like, well, what does that mean? And I was like, well, come on Sunday morning and you'll find out. So they all came. I'm glad to see them here this morning. But I want us to look at a no-so salvation. In 2002, my wife and I came, uh, came back to America on vacation from the mission field. In tow, we had our firstborn daughter, Hadassah. She was a year and a half old, and at that time, none of my family had ever met her personally. While we were on stateside on that vacation, I had the occasion with my wife and my daughter to go over and visit my last two living grandparents. And I will never forget the conversation that my grandfather and I had on this particular day. As soon as I arrived, I introduced them to their great-granddaughter, Hadassah, and we began to talk about spiritual things. As we talked about spiritual things, I began to discuss with him about his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he shared with me how at a tent revival in both Texas, he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now, some of you may not even know where both Texas is, but that's where my mother grew up at. It's the first exit as soon as you pass over Pine Island Bow. There used to be a town there called Voth. I think it's annexed now by Bowman, and it really doesn't exist a lot or it doesn't really exist any longer unless you've been here for a number of years. But he shared that and we had the opportunity to spend a lot of time talking about spiritual things on that particular day and as I was preparing to leave his home that day, I made one final statement. I said, Popo, I am looking forward to the day where we will be reunited in heaven together. He looked at me and he smiled, Oh, I do too. And then he made this statement, and it was a statement that shocked me. It is a statement that has been etched in my mind ever since. This is what my grandfather said to me on that day. He said, Yeah, I sure hope I will be there but we can never know for sure. We can never know for sure. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe that my grandfather was born again. I had been around my grandfather for years and I'd seen fruit bore in his life that gave evidence to the fact that he knew Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But I would tell you that my grandfather is a lot alike of a number of Christians that I know today. They have no assurance of their salvation. I want you to listen carefully to what I'm going to say this morning. Do not misunderstand me. Doubt does not necessarily mean you are not saved. If you remember, there was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ who doubted. His name was Doubting Thomas. There was another man in one of the Gospels who came to Jesus Christ, and he said to Jesus Christ, Jesus, I have faith. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my doubt. So we need to understand that doubt does not always mean that you are not saved. As a matter of fact, one man has aptly put it, he said we tend to doubt only what we truly believe. Isn't that true? How many of you doubt there's an Easter bunny? Don't listen to me, children. How many of you doubt that? You see what I'm saying? As one man said, doubt is to your spirit what pain is to your body. Pain points out there is a problem, but it does not mean that you are dead. Isn't that true? Yes. So what I want you to hear me say this morning, it is possible to doubt, but it is not profitable in salvation. It is not profitable in salvation. So the question I want us to ask ourselves this morning, and I want to answer from the Word of God, is it possible for us to know with 100% assurance that I am saved? I believe it is, and I think that's exactly what John was addressing in this passage of Scripture. It's a number of different things that John addresses in this passage. As a matter of fact, he gives us one characteristic after another of what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ. But when he gets to the end of this particular letter that he has written, these are the words that he speaks in 1 John, the fifth chapter and the 13th verse. I want you to listen to what he says here. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you you have eternal life that word know there means confidence a deep conviction 100% assurance of something it reminds me of that wonderful song that we sing that old hymn blessed assurance Jesus is mine oh what a foretaste of glory divine it reminds me of that song is it truly possible for us to know with 100% assurance that I'm truly a child of the living God? I believe it is, and I think in the preceding verses before we get to verse 13, that's exactly what John is dealing with in this passage of Scripture. He's going to offer us a couple of witnesses that will give us the assurance that we should all have in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen to me very carefully this morning. I am not trying to talk a single person into salvation today. That's not what I'm saying. In the deepest recesses of your heart, when we look at God's Word, I truly believe we know if we are saved or not. And so we need to lay these witnesses against our life, and we need to see if this is what's truly being testified in our lives this morning. Number one, let me give you the first one. We have been given the witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, the witness of the Holy Spirit is not an emotional feeling. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling that we get as a result of an emotional high. I can't tell you the number of times I've met people after a worship service where they've had a sense of emotionalism and they just go out of the, well, the, the worship center and they're like, well, I just feel like I've been with God today. Or I just feel like I'm a Christian today. Well, let me tell you something. If you are basing your relationship with Jesus Christ on, I promise you that your relationship with Jesus Christ will be hot and cold. Because that is the way our emotions work. One day we're at the top of the mountain, the next day we are in the valley. Don't ever base your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ upon motion solely. Don't do that. You will be in serious trouble. We need to look at the evidence of God's Word, and we need to let God's Word speak into our hearts and lives about what the truth is. And that's the reason John is writing this passage of Scripture. The testimony of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God speaking to our spirit that we genuinely belong to Him. The Holy Spirit testifies to the fact that I am genuinely saved. Now listen to what it is that John says here in verse 10. He says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe has made made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Did you hear what John said in this passage of Scripture? He said, everyone who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has the testimony in them. Now, if you're like me, when I read that the first time, I asked myself, well, what in the world is John speaking about? What does he mean when he says we have the testimony in us? Well, I think Paul answers that question for us in Romans the 8th chapter, verse 16. Listen to what Paul wrote there. The Spirit himself, that is the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of the living God. Now, listen to me for a moment. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. And if the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life, that Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, testifies with my Spirit that I genuinely belong to God's family. I listened to a sermon on this passage of Scripture this week, I do that on occasion. And the man that was preaching the passage of Scripture made this statement about this particular verse of Scripture. He said, even if an angel came down out of heaven and told me I was lost, he would be a liar. I have that much conviction in my heart that I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because his spirit testifies to my spirit that I have been adopted into the family of God amen amen now you need to hear me if that's not in your heart today there's one or two reasons one reason maybe you're not walking in fellowship with God and as a result of that sin has built a wall between you and the Lord, and you're not experiencing the peace and the joy of being in right fellowship with him. That can happen to the believer. But there's also a second possibility. The second possibility just may be that you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's a possibility as well. You see, the question we must all ask ourselves is this, am I truly saved? Have I truly trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Now, listen to me very carefully because you need to hear what I'm saying. I didn't ask if you had been baptized. I didn't ask if your name was on a church roll. And I didn't ask if you went to Sunday school on Sunday morning and read your Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I ask, have you been regenerated by the Spirit of the living God? And if you've been regenerated on the inside, you are a new creation and there is no doubt in your mind about it. That is the truth of the matter. We have been given the witness of the Holy Spirit is what John said. The Holy Spirit witness is our inner confidence that we belong to Christ. This confidence is not something we have to work up for ourselves. It is a confidence that God gives every believer because they are a part of his family. You see what I'm saying? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you're going to hear an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God. It's like I told my daughter one time. If somehow or another in the world in which I live in, if science could prove with 100% assurance there is no God, I would never ever believe it. Because I have a deep Conviction, confidence in my heart that Jesus Christ is real and that He is seated at the right hand of God, and I've experienced Him in my life at work. We need to know that this morning. We have been given the witness of the Holy Spirit. Number two, quickly as we move on this morning. Second, we have been given the witness of the Word. The witness of the word. The scripture is given to us as a witness that we may know we have eternal life. Go back to verse 13. We're going to reread it this morning. I want you to listen to it. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Did you hear what John said? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John writes this passage of Scripture to us. And he says, I write these things for the very reason that you may know. This is the written record of God's Word. I tell people all the time, if you want to hear God speak into your life, open your Bible, read the Word of God, and God will speak into your life each and every day. We do believe this is the Word of God, right? The Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed. Not just the red letters, but all the black letters as well. I met a lady one time on the mission field, and I asked her the question. I said, what do you and your church believe? She says, we believe all the red writing. I said, well, what about all the black writing? Y'all don't believe that too? It's all God's word. This is a record, written record of God's account to us of his son and what his son has done for us. That's what John was saying in verse 13. Now listen to me. What does the word of God do for us? Let me give you two things that the word of God does for us this morning. First, it gives us the certainty of eternal life. It gives us the certainty of eternal life. Listen to what Paul—I mean, what John wrote in verse eleven—and this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this is the life, and this life is in the Son. Did you hear what he said here? We have been given eternal life through Jesus Christ the word of God is our written proof when the enemy and the flesh attack us and cause us to get to doubt we need to go to the word of God the word of God gives us confidence that we are genuinely saved but it also gives us the source of eternal life Listen to what he says here in this verse again. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let me say this. I don't think it can be much clearer than that. You either have Jesus Christ or you don't have Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have eternal life. And listen to me very clearly this morning. Eternal life is found in no one else except for Jesus Christ. Regardless of what the world says, eternal life has its source in one person, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. In Acts, the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse... Peter Peter said, there is no other name given under heaven by which man can be saved. Jesus went on and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus didn't say, I'm one of many ways. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. Jesus said, I am the way. There is no other way. There's only one road that leads to heaven, not many you would be surprised exactly how many evangelicals believe that in our world today. Do you realize that most people that come to church on Sunday morning do not have a biblical worldview? They do not believe that Jesus is the only way. They just simply believe that he is one of many ways. They have a pluralistic understanding of salvation. And eventually we're all headed to the same place. And if by God's grace, somehow, if we do enough good things and it outweighs the bad, we're all going to end up in the same place. No, that is a lie. That is not the truth of God's Word. That's not the truth of God's Word. And we need to know that today. There is only one way by which men can be saved. John said in this passage of Scripture, there are two witnesses, the Holy Spirit and the word of god john said i have written these things that you may know you have eternal life look at me this morning do you know that you know that you know that jesus christ lives in your heart today do you have a no-so salvation. That is the most important question you will ever, ever answer in life. If you're here this morning and you're not confident of your salvation, as I shared earlier, there's one or two possibilities. If you're a Christian, You've trusted Christ and you know that in your heart, but you're wondering, you're doubting, you're struggling. Maybe you need to examine your life. Maybe there's sin in your life, in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And more than anything else, I know we don't like this word, but what you need to do is repent. It's the truth of the matter. Repentance is not just for the lost person. Repentance is also for the saved person. And there's times where we need to get on our knee and we need to repent. But it also may mean you're not truly born again. And if you're not truly born again, I plead with you today, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Turn your your heart and your life over to him. If you're willing to turn away from a life of sin and turn to Jesus Christ in repentant faith, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, Jesus Christ paid the penalty at the cross to take care of our sin debt. And the only thing we have to do is be willing to come to Him in faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love and the way you have spoken to our hearts through your word this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the way it works in our lives. We're grateful, Lord, that you have given us two witnesses the witness of the Holy Spirit, and the witness of the Word of God that testifies to the fact that we